Hi everyone, welcome to our podcast for Black Women Connects Vancouver. Girl, you know it. So I'm the founder of Black Women Connects Vancouver, which started in 2017. And Black Women Connects Vancouver is a collective of women who come to inspire, empower, and leverage our strengths and embrace our diverse experiences. It is a community where we can build meaningful relationships and celebrate the beauty of our Black womanhood. I hope that you enjoy it. Welcome to another episode of Girl, You Know It, and we have a wonderful guest today. But before we introduce our guest, my name is Balasa. I'm Al. I'm Natasia. Awesome. And our wonderful guest today is Kevin. Uh, he goes by Kev Joseph on Instagram, and he does a really amazing series of Let's Talk. And you're also based in Toronto, right, if I'm correct? Yes, that's correct. Yeah, Kevin is awesome. I'm very excited to dig into your brain, um, but I'm going to ask if you can give us a brief introduction of yourself so our community can know more about you. Absolutely. Well, it's an honor and a pleasure to be on your platform this time. Last time we saw each other, y'all were on my platform and, you know, we had a great time, you know, throwing up the X, all, all, all that fantastic stuff. But, um, you know, it's an honor to be here. Um, yes, my name is Kev Joseph. I am accounting and finance consultant um, for a company that's contracted out to the Canadian federal government. We support the Department of Defense, the Canadian Armed Forces, Treasury Board. I've been in finance and accounting for over 18 years. Um, I've been doing that, that kind of work for Fortune 500 companies and things of that nature. Also in the community, I've been a, a mentor to young people, you know, aspiring higher education, you know, levels for around the same time, just really trying to help push, you know, the, um, you know, education as, as the great equalizer narrative um, for our Black youth. And um, last June, you know, I started this, uh, which, which I thought was just a few conversations regarding a lot of the challenges our world was facing um, regarding social, you know, injustice, um, equality, um, anti-racism, you know, mental health, the pandemic, all these things. And um, it created this Let's Talk with Kev Joseph platform that has really, you know, taken up uh, and has really accelerated to something that's a lot larger than I anticipated, but really thankful for it. Been able to have tremendous conversations with people from all over the world, literally, you know, we're talking France, you know, England, um, you know, the US, the uh, Caribbean, everywhere. So it's it's been amazing and um, I'm really grateful and being able to connect with you Queens, you know, as well. Um, it has always been a pleasure. So yeah, that's just a little bit about me. Yay. Thank you. And did anybody know Kevin before the Let's Talk that we were on for the podcast? No, I think he reached out to me on Instagram and so there was a connection somewhere. Uh, he knew someone who was following us and then he asked about Black, Black Women Connect Vancouver. So that's how we met. Nice. So you were always intrigued by the queens. Okay. Yeah, you <laughs> know what? Get the story right. Yeah, because you know what? I was always, again, like, especially, I think, you know, we, we, uh, I think I reached out to you like months ago, but before you even came on, just because um, there's so much was going on and just trying to find amazing people with amazing stories and especially black women trying to amplify and lift up the voices of black women as a black man. It's something that we need to do more often. So it was incumbent upon me to try to do that. So um, when I saw what y'all were doing in Vancouver, like, first of all, there's black folks in Vancouver. I was like, what? I was like, I was there in 2011 and I did not see much. 
but I'm like, because of where I was and it was just a short business trip, but I mean, wow, powerful work, amazing co like community, like uh, y'all are doing. And oh, it was such an honor to finally connect with the Queens from Vancouver. <laughs> <laughs> And I remember you were saying on the uh, Let's Talk when we were on, and you were asking us, I think, at the end, what men could do in order yeah. to facilitate assisting, you know, women um, in this endeavor or the plight of women. And I think that having these kinds of discussions is definitely one of those things that can be done. And to have them also very honestly and as truthfully as possible, but to also leave room for, you know, ways to mess up and ways to, you know, go back and either do our re own research or you can come back and say you know this was kind of this or incorrect because we grow and we change and so I want to give some grace to like that this conversation is very new for a lot of us and um, I might stumble over my words because I am a little bit anxious to ask some of these questions <laughs> so I just want to preface it with that but let's jump right in yes yes um, awesome so the first question here um, we're going to be kind of defining some terms, but based on you and your understanding, what do you think of the term patriarchy? Well, when I think of the term patriarchy, there's many different layers to it, but in a general sense, I mean, I think of it as being a sort of, you know, a construct, a societal construct where men are in positions of power, uh, of authority, um, of privilege over women, right? And um, in terms of the the structures that, that are in place, whether it be political, legal, financial, educational, since the beginning of time, really, it's always, you know, been in favor of the advancement of men. And, you know, women have um, have always been um, seen as the lesser of, of, of the two genders and by which all of the laws have predominantly been built around, you know, well, have been built by and implemented by and run by men. You know, so um, I think it's a whole structure of it, um, even in for those with, you know, uh, faith based um, leanings, you know, you know, um, you know, the father is seen as the source, as, as, as seen as the provider, you know, as seen as, you know, you know, and then, you know, some people take it to, to like a biological sense where the father is the carrier of the seed, then deposits it into the woman, then the child is born. So all of these things that play into I think uh, a society that um, has been built and sort of framed under the whole premise of, you know, uh, patriarchy, mm. if that makes sense. Yeah, hundred percent. Does anyone else have anything to say about that? Yeah, I mean, you talking about, you know, a power over, you know, genders. I'm just like coming back to like healthcare and like how like, you know, women make up, you know, half of the population, you know, and, you know, gender is a spectrum, but like women in general, and yet research doesn't happen for women. Um, lots of things aren't funded. We have to advocate for ourselves in hospitals and to healthcare professionals because they don't believe us. They don't believe our pain. And it's like, I'm not crazy. Like my pain is real. So when you said like the positioning of power over, it was like, oof, talk to my soul a little bit, but yes. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Like, it's just, it's how it's been because mm -hmm. by virtue of the perceived notion that, you know, as a man, we think we're stronger. We think we are more powerful. We think we can endure more. Therefore, we feel that we can um, now, you know, suppress women and, and put them into boxes and define them as we see fit, mm -hmm. right? And that's how it's been since the, the beginning, really. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 100%. And I think also it's because that, oh, maybe we can get into, you know, what's what's 
not so great about patriarchy because I think that the thing about that is, you know, even with the depositing of the seed into the woman, it's like, they're still your counterpart, right? They're still the yes. other half of that. It's like, you're not depositing the seed into your palm and then boom, boom, you do it by yourself. You know exactly. what I mean? Like you're doing that with somebody else. And I think the role of support, the role of care, the role of sympathy, of compassion, of empathy, all of those supporting structures is a lot of things that toxic masculinity cuts out, right? And so then we see how yes. patriarchy kind of moves into these kinds of fears where it's very rigid in its sense. And so even being compassionate, that's why there's, you know, self-care and wellness is such a big thing, in my opinion, is because of that very thing, like to see support as just as valid as you building the actual tool itself, right? You need to sleep, you need to rest, you need to eat, you need to do all of these other things. And then you also need to do it in community because isolation is a very big thing when it comes to patriarchy and masculinity, even being a South African woman. And like, even what I said to you, like having this conversation with other black men, I've had this conversation with white men, no worries, right? I've had, you know, other conversations with lots of white people, but with the black men, woo! <laughs> that is a no-go zone. Cause there's also a lot of rage, I would assume. So I want to ask from you, like, what do you where do you think the resistance comes from when it comes to having these conversations? Well, I think because as black men, um, you know, we have been taught that um or we bought into the narratives that I was just explaining, right? In terms of the patriarchal system that we've all sort of grew up in, unfortunately, in that way, right? And we've been told that that uh, women are this, so therefore we have to act like that, right? And we've been told that we have to be, you know, um, the dominant ones, the stronger ones, and and it's ingrained in us partly, but it's also conditioned by a lot of the things and the things that we're taught, even as young boys, right? You're taught as a young boy, when you scratch your knee, get up, be a man, man up, right? Uh, when a young lady will scratch your knee, um, the mother or the father might rush her. Oh, are you okay, darling? Are you okay? Blah, 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 blah. Whereas with the, with the boys, the fathers are more like, come on, like this is what life is about. You know, you gotta, you gotta pick yourself back up again. But, you know, um, teaching our young boys to not be in touch with their feelings or how to express them are the beginning stages of toxic masculinity. Because what we're doing is we're saying that your feelings are not important as it is to um, continue in what we see as a perceived strength, which is to hide your feelings or not show weakness. Because we were taught that when you show emotion, it's a sign of weakness. Because remember, for us, a lot of what we've learned is through competition and through sport, right? So when we're playing sports, we're, we're often told that you don't want your opponent to see how weak you are. Right. So you got to even if you're in pain, you don't want to show it. You don't want to do all. So all these things that and I always say that sports is a microcosm for real life. Right. So a lot of these things that we learn as 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 youth. Right. Because I know like babies, you know, they don't care. Like when a baby's hungry, the, the baby will cry. A boy baby or, or a girl, they'll, they'll they'll cry when they're hurt. They'll cry. But how we respond to them is is what makes that difference. Right. So when we respond with oh, just, you know, toughen up, you know, man up come on, you know, stop being like a, like, like a little girl. Like we, like we hear those things, right. As, as our young boys and it feeds in and resonates within our subconscious and then starts to mature later in life into full blown toxic masculinity, where now we feel like, you know, we have to hide who we really are. And we got to be this tough brooding guy. I am man, you are woman. Listen to me. I am the truth. Right. And then we end up going into these cycles 
and these patterns that then give birth to misogyny and then give birth to abuse and give birth to um, all these things that we see plaguing our, you know, our society. And for black men, it's hard because we're, we're already trying to fight for respect, but we have to also understand that the black woman is doing it on both fronts. One, not from just being a woman, but also from being black. So it's, it's, it's like a double edged sword there, right? So it's like, you know, um, for black men, we feel that we are tremendously oppressed, that we have had it, you know, hard because, you know, from the ancestry days and all that, but black women were right there too. It wasn't just us that came across that were dropped off all these different places. It was the black women who, who were being raped, who, who, who were being forced to do all kinds of different things, who were forced up to work too you know, plus race can't do all these kind of different things. So we, we, we have this thing where we want everybody to, to feel for us, but in turn, we still want to objectify and to disrespect the, the queens and the co-laborers who are with us the, the whole entire time. So, you know, it, it's a lot of work and a lot of healing that we have to do as black men, for sure. hundred um, percent. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I think it's interesting that you touched on this um fathers will be like you know you know pick yourself up like be a man and be stronger i would counter that um within this patriarchal very traditional family setting um looking sometimes to mothers because my friend um misha would sometimes say she goes um mothers raise their daughters and they love their sons so there's this double standard for mothers who like instill like a structure with their daughters, with their sons don't require that, you know, um, structure or that um, um, forward motion. And and I don't want to say baby, but there's a little bit of coddling. And then that is juxtaposed like tension with fathers saying, you know, be a man. And like, so I think it's, I think it's coming from all different layers and all yes. different sides as to like creating and like cultivating this topic masculinity, which when, you know, a man hits adulthood and then is challenged by a potential partner, they don't know what to do. They have not been given the, the skills or the coping mechanisms or the tools to actually look inward and go, oh, wow, I need to like do the emotional work. And there's some grace I think that people have for men like that to a certain extent. And I think having these conversations is really good because it just helps us to go, there's nuances that we know we have to always keep in mind when we're, when we're talking about that and thinking about that. All that being said, we still, we still got to hold hold all, all the men's to some sort of standard, you know, some sort of- uh, Yeah, absolutely. Bar. And, that, and that's actually a really great point because I think um, mothers do that thinking that they're trying to fashion and raise their sons in a manner to prepare them for the evil that is out there in the, the world, right? So um, they, they love them, but in a certain way where they think that they're preparing them by hardening them. Like I hear from a lot of single mothers too who do that when the father isn't there as well, whereas that now I, I got to double up my effort too because there's natural things that as a father, I can teach my, my children that a mother can, a mother can teach their children certain things, just in terms of how I am as, as a man. However, a lot of amazing like mothers that I know are like, look, look, I, I got to prepare my son for this cold hearted world. So I know I'm raising, you know, you know, weak men. And uh, like you said, a lot of mothers, you know, that's the narrative that they're pushing too. So it's amazing. Like when I hear that, right. And like, you know, mothers will raise their daughters and just, and, and then will love their son. That's a profound statement. 
that when you really like dig deep and unpack it, you, you can see that, you know, that's why guys, you know, it's funny because you ever dare disrespect a guy, you, you want to know how you want to do it. You just, you disrespect his mom, disrespect his sister. Those are the two uh, women in his life that you don't talk about. Uh, uh, otherwise it's just on site. Like it's on and it's popping and you're, you're about to catch some, some, some hands, something. However, we don't view every other woman in the same way. So I may love my mom, you know, uh, I may love my sister, don't ever disrespect them, don't ever call them out their, their name, but then this young lady I see on the street, I behave and I act a totally uh, different way. So the proximity in terms of the relationship that we have with women often dictates our treatment of women, which it should not be. 100%. A hundred percent. Oh yeah. Question. I think that, yeah, that like that all makes sense. And I think even talking with Elle too, like with her discussion, at what point, and I think this is where the, where women are trying to figure out is where do we give patience for men to start growing and where do we kind of draw that line of there's so much information out there. There's so many ways that you can actually like learn to see all the mistakes that you're making or whatever the, the, I guess, forming your mind and forming your own opinion and changing that narrative for your life to not be that man, where do women give the patience to men? Because I think that that is the biggest struggle is, do I continue giving patience for you to grow? Or do I just step back and be like, this person has to figure it out on their own? Yeah, I, I, I think there's a fine line between grace and enabling behavior, right? And um, the truth is, um, the onus is not on women to um, help men change this way of us. We as men have to hold each other accountable, right? The same way that it's not incumbent upon black people to erase or eradicate white supremacy, it's important for white people to hold each other accountable, right? Mm -hmm. So because we are the ones who are doing this, who are, who are um, you know, displaying this behavior, it's important for us. So when I see uh, a display of disrespect or, or, or something, I have to call it out and hold my brother accountable you know, for his behavior, because he won't see it, right? That's why, like, it's so discouraging when you see a lot of these social media pages and all that, when constantly bickering between Black men and women on Twitter, and then they're posting it, they're resharing it, and you're seeing all the back and forth, and you look at the comments, it's the same thing. Women are like, oh my goodness, this is disrespectful, this is that, and guys are like, oh, like, it wasn't even that serious, you know, I don't, I don't want to even call any names, but we've seen examples of, just recently, of a young guy entertainer dragging his girlfriend into the elevator extremely aggressively and guys like oh it wasn't you you call that abuse what what and the, the women are like what and then it's like the same thing is happening so unless we call each other out on it unless we hold each other accountable it will not stop it will not change so um in terms of a woman's position in terms of offering grace as an extension and enabling a, a chronic behavior is such a tightrope that um, it's so hard to even answer because um, I think it comes down to the individual man. Like that's like, there's some men you do not give any tolerance to because of the way that, that they are and how they operate and how they interact. If you're dealing with someone who's aware, it's almost like, I know this is not necessarily a spiritual conversation, but it's like when the concept of God, right? It's like you give grace, God gives grace to us to help us, you know, give us that chance to correct. But then there's a time when you got to just, you know, you got to just cut things off because you're not learning, you know, and like you're not listening. So you got to learn the hard way. So it's like as a woman now, it's like, OK, you love this person. You see attributes that, you know, um, you, you 
can see that. But if he has not have a level of awareness of what he's doing and isn't willing to take the steps, like it's one thing to know that I've done something wrong. It's different to know it, acknowledge it and work towards correcting it, right? So there's some people that are just persistent and, and um, pathological apologists or apologists for their behavior, thinking that will soothe things over, but not actually understanding that the greatest apology is change behavior, right? So in order to get to that place, women do have to step back and give men a, a wake up call. Like, like, look, I'm not dealing with this. I'm not naming. We see it time and time again. I don't want to even call these people's names, but in the entertainment business, you see black women covering for these black guys all the time. You know, even in that situation that we just talked about, the statement that she put out, I'm like, hmm, interesting. You covering again. Yes, I noticed that you don't want to go to jail. You, you don't want him to get shot by the police. This, this and that, whatever, whatever the case may be. However, we have always been covered by the black women. Our mothers have done it. Our aunts have done it. Our grandmothers have done it. But when are we going to take responsibility for our actions and call each other out and raise the, the, a standard of excellence to support our black women and to say, look, this behavior is appalling. It's it's not right. We have to change it. So until we we are do that, you know, it's 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 going to be a continuing cycle of this kind of really destructive behavior. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think even for us, like culturally, like being African too, like we see that very prevalent in our cultures of the the black mother kind of protecting the, the son, right? In anything that he does, he can do no wrong. He doesn't have to do dishes. He doesn't have to clean. Like there's obviously certain households that that is still like they're changing that. But in terms of that, like we see it all the time growing up that the, the conversation is always different. And and so I think that even for you just saying that it's 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 so obvious in our culture. And sometimes it it becomes to that same thing that like you're saying, like domestic violence becomes like we have to cover it up because we have to protect this person. You know, yeah. assault happens to cover it up because we have to protect this man. And it's never we have to protect this woman. And yes. that's something that I know in, in Africa and a lot of countries are trying to change that, but it's going to be a long, long change because it's so rooted into so much of our culture and tribalism, but also in our government systems. Yeah, absolutely. Like, and, you know, full transparency, hopefully people don't, don't like get like, like look at me bad. Like when I see this, but I don't cook extremely well because, <laughs> you know, you know, for any future tenderonies out there, <laughs> I'm just playing, I'm just joking. But, um, the thing is this, right? My mom told me, I want you in the books. I want you to study. So get, so stay out the kitchen, keep your head in the books, get your education, I'll, I'll deal with that. My dad grew up different. My dad is an amazing cook, right? Because he grew up in, you know, back home in Trinidad, right? So he had to, to learn, fend for yourself, you had to cook. But here, my mom's like, I don't want that for you. I want you to focus on your books, study so that you have no excuse not to do well. So I did not go near the kitchen. You know, you know, and it's like my sister was obviously very upset, <laughs> you know, because she's like, nah, that ain't right. But my mom was like, no, because I because I, boys, one, are slower learners than 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 girls are at, at the elementary school age and stages. Right. So she's like, you know, no, I want to give you the best shot that I can. But at the same time, you know, I'm here on my own and I'm making macaroni and cheese. Like, yeah, boy, but can't really cook that well. I'm like, yo. And then my dad will come over to my house and like, hey, boy. And then he'll come over and cook, right? <laughs> but just, just like, but, I, but I'm taking lessons and I'm learning, you know what I'm saying? But just that as an example, right? As what you're saying is that, you know, mothers want to give their sons because they, and, and again, there's this perception that 
we got to give our sons a better opportunity, a better chance, because as the black man, you're already at a major disadvantage. But how about the black, the uh, black girls? It's the same thing. Just that we feel because you're a woman, you'll be more accepted, right? That because you're nicer, you're sweeter, you're kinder, you're this or that. But no, it, it does not work that way in society. See, society will still, especially if you're black, will always see you as black first, right? So, I mean, uh, mothers, I think sometimes do their sons a disservice in that realm, you know, not helping them understand to be a full, well-rounded, domesticated, intelligent person. You got to do everything, right? You got to be able to do that, you know? So, I mean, what you're saying is just, is extremely true, you know? Yeah, 100%. And I even feel like, um, the nuance that comes in into all of that is like, especially with the grace bit, right, to give to give men uh, the grace to grow is also like, in a relationship sense, right. And I think that if we if we have to give that grace to grow, it also means tough love, it also means not being in relationships with y'all, it means not having situationships with y'all, it means not hooking up with y'all. And then it also means that for a large majority of these women or people who are interested in men, right, then they are single. Right. And then they must be able to deal or work through or also grow in that sense, because society is not built for people to be single, nor is it built for people to be isolated. Right. But people can be single and still have community. Right. Case in point, a lot of the people that we have around us in our communities. But, you know, then it's kind of that idea. It's like, how much room do I give you? Because. Am I then, like, if it takes you a whole lifetime, am I then single for a whole lifetime? Like, when are you going to get your stuff in order so that we can actually start building together? And also this idea of like, you know, maybe I can help them get there where we all want to grow and heal together and help each other heal and grow. Right. And I think that, yeah, how, how, how long must people be single for? Yo, I, I'm not taking it. And the thing is, that's such an amazing example because you know, that's the natural tendency of women, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, we always think about the woman as being the help meet to the man and the support of the man and this and that. But truthfully, what they are, are the actual leaders, right? Because if you think about it, for, for those that maybe like are familiar with the Bible story where, you know, Adam and Eve, right? Ad, uh, Eve gave Adam the apple, right? Adam was actually following her lead. Because he didn't question her, he didn't do his research. He he uh, he, uh, he he said, "Oh, okay, Eve, true, all right, good, give me that." Because so he was following. So when when we think about Adam as the man, he's no, no, he was actually listening because she went out and, and was doing whatever she, she was doing. Brought this back, no no questions asked, no uh nah, like let, let me go and look and let me go talk to uh to uh, the, uh this serpent guy over here. No, it was like okay you told me this information i trust you i believe you you know we are one so whatever you say go so with with women it's like you know y'all are natural leaders y'all natural born leaders that's just like what it is anything you need to, to get done you always ask a woman because she'll get it done faster better cheaper you know <laughs> like like y'all like y'all like can turn like a five dollar you know uh uh, uh uh you know budget into like this amazing like buffet it's just it's in women to get things done and to do things. Like I had a conversation just last night on my show with two women who are cancer survivors uh, and one woman in particular who started this cancer organization support that helps women with, with breast cancer who, who are black because there's really not support services for black women who are dealing with this. And, and again, when a woman sees an issue, she starts a solution. She creates a solution. That's what women do, right? So for us now, it's like, you know, it takes longer for us, one, to mature. Okay, I'm sorry. It takes us a long time to mature. Ladies, 
Listen, <laughs> woo! Y'all gotta pack your patience. <laughs> it takes us a long time. I know. Look at L. I was like, oh man. You know, it takes us a long time to mature. And the one of the reasons for that. This is just me talking. This is just what I understand to be because there's so much detoxing that we have to do. But the problem is we don't recognize that we have to do it. So all the time the coach told you to man up, stop being like, like a girl, you're, you're, you're a whiny sissy baby, you're, you're this, you're, you're that, all these things growing up, all these things that were taught, right? And, and just the, the music that we listen to, listen, I'll be, I'll be 100 with y'all. Hip hop music has been one of the greatest contributors to this problem. And I am a hip hop junkie, I'm a hip hop head, but listen, rest in peace to DMX and Snoop when they had that versus last year. I was like, yeah, when I met you last night. Whoa, when I thought about it, I'm like, yo, these lyrics, when you really take it in, right? It does not support, encourage, uplift, protect women, especially black women, right? So when Queen Latifah came out in 1990, I'm not a B and I'm not an H, U and I T Y. You know, that was like, oh, whoa. But yet still, we've been churning out songs where that's all guys are calling women every single. Now, women have packaged that and used those terms of terms of endearment, where you're calling your fellow sister a B, you're calling her a bad B, you're calling her a, and all this kind of stuff. So now it's like, okay, okay. So you're, you're taking that, trying to spin it into a positive. Okay, however you want to do it. However, what's happened is it's normalized these things, right? So it normalizes this language that we started calling women that because that's the official term for an actual female dog, like in like the, the world. Now we attribute that to a woman. We're, we're calling that a human woman now. And then we're trying to use it in a disparaging manner. And then we say all, all these songs are, are, are saying it, filled with it. So now when I think about it, I'm like, okay, women are now um, taking on this role. Cause now the thing is for women to be like men, so a book came out the other day, not, well, not the other day, like several years ago, think like a man, act like a woman. I don't like that, personally. I don't, I don't subscribe to, to that stuff. Because to me, no woman should ever want to think like a man. <laughs> there, there is no incentive for a woman to want to think like us, okay? Because we got issues, okay? Straight up. So, and now it's are slower. Like, why do we want to go in reverse? This is like more... <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> Come on, right? So it's like, when, but everyone's like, oh yeah, that's so revolutionary. Oh yeah, let me get the book, let me watch the movie. No, no, no man. And there's a lot of things out there that I'm just learning that there's actually men who are built their whole brand about chastising and, and admonishing black women. Like what? Who are you to say anything on that subject? Like don't even get me started y'all. Oh my God. <laughs> I mean, can we start on Derek Jackson? <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> oh, oh, you call it names. Okay, okay, you call it names. Wait, you want to do that? Bring it up, bring it up. Okay. Whole show. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care if I say his name. That man, and I have, this is my issue, and I can rant about this all day, and I told, like, my roommate, same thing. Like, I talk to her all the time about this, because it is my like I have such an like irking towards like one black women, black men marketing off of single black women because they oh. know it's the number one target. They know how much money they can make and they make books like think like a man, act like a woman or all these things because they know it's like things in these books are common sense. But at the same time, they just know like a woman needs to hear 
because like words of affirmation usually is something that women do gravitate towards. So it's like, if you're hearing a man talk like, oh, woman, she like this, okay, I accept one, two, three, four, five, I will find a man. Yeah. But the man you're finding is like, like we talked about, if they've not done self-awareness, if they've not done blah, blah, but you're like, oh, I'm doing all these steps. Let me continue giving grace to this man who's not doing any self-awareness. And it just creates more toxic relationships. And yes. then that's when women end up being more single or settling to the point where they're just like, well, I'm doing all the things. So if I continue doing this, this man will accept me. And that's why Derek Jackson is that whole point is like, he did a whole marketing scheme, made millions of dollars, but look at how he's treating his wife. Yes. Yes, exactly. Case in point, right? No man should ever attempt to be the voice for how women should um, understand or, 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 or should, or should um, sort of um, position themselves or ready themselves for relationships. We are not the authorities on that. We, are, we can admonish other men on how to ready themselves and what they got to do, but this whole thing, and again, it's the patriarchal system where, oh, wow, oh, great, Derek. Thank you for the illuminating, no. Women, black women have been saying the same thing this guy's been saying for generations. Like, like, what are you even saying? That's revolutionary. No, all because it's, because it's coming from a black man who's married, although he's cheating, but because it's coming from a black man who's married, and you know, and this other there's another guy too who apparently on Instagram has shows and he speaks very harsh to black women that that chime in and tells them to do this, to do that, fix that about yourself, do that. Sitting on his ivory like in his ivory tower on his throne like so all that to me is toxic masculinity at its best packaged as self-care which is not mm -hmm. and also mm. sorry sorry I'm, I'm just gonna jump in here as the resident single woman here <laughs> because layered into all this is like the um the layer of like religion and like that system and you know like I grew up in the, that space and like I am working on what that looks like spirituality away from like church systems but yo the brain with looking at back at it it feels like the brainwashing of like single women to do all those steps and to read all those books written by all these men and then yeah. in the Christianity world white men who don't understand the nuances of black women or women of color I, the most freeing thing I, I did, I think top 10 was throw out all those stupid books that I yes. got from all those stupid women's <laughs> conferences and be like, this is not working for me. I will sit here and wait and be single and be rich Auntie L until I need to be. Yes. I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. That's good for yes. me. I just Absolutely. want to throw it out there. Yeah, the, the layer of religion as well in that toxic masculinity is wild. 100%. And I, think, and I think also with that is is this is this layer where oh and oh please don't come for me y'all okay is this layer where you know because when we're believing you know in God and you know understanding it religiously oh wow I'm really nervous to say this um you know it's kind of this understanding where some people think that that is their cross right, to be cheated on, to have a hard marriage, to be staying in this thing, like continuously, like, oh, no, you know, God's testing me. Oh, no, this is the test. This is the... But it's also like, 
what if that's God being like, no, no, leave. Like, this is the flag. This is the flag. And I think that, you know, also then wrapping around that patriarchy, right? Is that idea of like, no, you know, love should be hard. It's a struggle. Like, you know, God won't give you anything that you can't stand or you can't tolerate, but it's like, yeah, but having to tolerate it, that resiliency, that strength, that strong dynamic, God didn't want you to be made of steel either, right? Like, he made yep. us with human flesh on purpose. Do you know what I mean? Yep. That's why we run out of steam. That's why we need to rest. That's why when somebody's pissing you off or someone's cheating on you, you get so upset, right? It's like, there's reasons why these things happen. I think we need to navigate more than just the idea of being saved or this is my road and this is my journey because then we just kind of give up. Yeah. And I think that's also part because the innate nature of a woman is to, be, to, is to fix, to be the fixer right? To be the nurturer, to be the encourager, to be the one to take the broken pieces and to make it whole again, right? That's what women do. So you thinking that, you know, this man, okay, first of all, it's like, whoo, Lord, I finally got a man. All right, he ain't perfect, Lord, but I, I'm gonna get him right, you know? And, and then you start working the black girl magic, you know, just, you know, just, just trying to get him up. First of all, y'all gonna go shopping trip, get that boy cleaned up. And then you know, take him to the barber, you know, and all this kind of stuff. Take, uh, take him to church, get 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 some passes up, you know. And, okay, all right, okay, he's back up, he's back up, okay, he's ready. But no, but what ends up happening? But the truth is, you know, women, that's what you do, right? But you can't do it with a man. You just you just cannot do it. You can do it in your in your career. You can do it in any other walk of life, any space of life. But you cannot fix a man. You cannot. You cannot. That man got to heal and fix himself with the help of God and therapy and resources and all that kind of stuff. That is the only way. But again, you always hear, oh, this, the pickings are slim. You got to get what you can get. And, you know, it's the settling thing. You know, it's like, well, girl, you know, my eggs, you know, <laughs> I mean, they they in the freezer. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I got to have some children. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, like, I get any younger. The clock is ticking. You know, the, the sands of the hourglass are dropping to the last grain, you know, so are the days of our lives, you know, and, you know, I'm young and I'm restless, you know, you can fall with a beautiful, whatever, you know, it's just, and it's like, okay, well, I get that, but do you want to be unhappy for the rest of your life with someone that you're tied to because you've settled, or do you want to then have to break up with them, then find somebody else, break up with them, find somebody else, break up with them, so you know, waiting is truly, and I also believe that God is kind, right, in the sense that, you know, he's probably not sending you these guys on purpose to mess up your whole life anyway, you know what I'm saying, because, like, it, it just, you know, God loves you too much to send a buster along to try to, to disrupt your whole, you know, flow, right, and I mean, I, I think it's incumbent upon us as men to really do that work earlier in life, and that's one of the things that I'm trying to do, is try to help young, like, younger brothers, yo, this whole thing about you know, multiple women and running around doing all stuff. But now it's changed too, y'all. Women are doing what they call the, you know, that H phase. Y'all, y'all, y'all know what I'm talking about that, that that phase, right? That that where they out there, you know what I'm saying? You know, talk to me, yes. talk to me. Talk I'm a doctor. What you want, boo-boo? I'm a doctor you know on that subject. Okay, talk to me. I'm Okay. <laughs> the education that is in a hot girl summer, first of all, I do get why it's not great for everybody. And I think that, you know, obviously there are it like it's like it's like buying a car and then not wanting to like learn how to drive, right? Like there's yeah. a lot of stuff you're gonna have to do if yeah. you're in the H phase. 
right? But I took it and I revamped it. And I said, I went from age phase to get to know phase, right? Because I learned a lot about myself during that phase. But I think also I was at a point where I knew that it was an age phase. I wasn't just like, oh, I'm in for the relationship or I'm in for this. And I think that the intentionality of dating or doing these things of learning yourself and then learning it with other people is also what's missing a little bit. What I'm curious about is when did you figure out it was patriarchy? When did you learn about this? Were you just like a little kid studying and your sister was in the kitchen and you were like, oh yeah, I'm a boy just because I keep a beard. This is me. <laughs> I mean, I I, I think every boy has that moment some at some point in some time. But I think um I I think it, it for for me it probably started on on the playground, you know, like when a girl challenges you to like a race and then you beat her and like, yeah, ha, 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 yeah, what? You know, <laughs> like real boys are like that, right? And it's like, okay, and then okay, now moving along in, in life, it's like, okay, well, okay, so you know, girls. Okay, so you think it, oh, so I think I'm stronger than her. Okay, so I think I'm stronger than her. Okay, then um, I think I'm better than than her because I'm a boy, right? Because that's what I've been told. That's what I see in the movies. I see the men always rescuing the women. Okay, so yeah, I'm seeing the, the superheroes are all men and the women are always in distress. So that means, you know, I gotta like, so it's all these things that I can't even probably pick a point in time when I figured out that, yeah, as a man, I'm obviously stronger, faster, probably smarter but even though i'm not showing it because i don't try because you know girls have to study hard and you know they, they gotta really focus but i mean i it, it comes natural because you know i'm a guy so these are all things that we all boys go through right and then the music oh don't get me started on the music y'all oh my goodness like the hyper sexualization of women plays such an important role in how men um quicken their um their um i guess mindset as it pertains to this topic because from an early age hip-hop was it right so you know if you if you notice the tone and tenor of hip-hop changed right in the 80s you weren't really hearing that like we're talking about you know you know like big daddy kane and all these guys they, they're not talking about the subject matters that and then you get closer to like the uh, late 80s into, into the 90s you know that whole era changed and it shifted to where men were really coming at women right because there was this like Queen Latifah and those were coming up, like MC Light coming up with, you know, more women empowerment songs and like, you know, like we're not, we're not putting up with the other space. Like you see movies like Juice and Boys in the Hood and all that, you know, the, the women are always there trying to support this, this guy that's going the wrong way, always going the wrong way, doing the, the wrong thing. But the black woman is always there trying to steer him back, trying to help him back. So it's like, you see all these things and you're like, you can treat your woman any way, and she still go be for me because she's a rider, yo. She's she ain't going nowhere, no matter how I treat her, because that's what we that's what we've been taught. So for me, you know, I came from a really different structure. Came from a really strong um, two parent household where my mom was the more educated one. Okay, because she um, was um, a senior lab technician in the, the medical field and was working on her doctorate before she passed away. And my dad was more the grinder, hard worker guy, but my mom was the one that really ran the finances and ran this and really ran the show. My mom, she ran the show, you know, but she always gave him the respect and the honor that he was due as her husband, right? And and deferred to him in certain respects. It's like, you know, um, kind of like, you know, that's our love language in, in, in a lot of ways is respect, like men, right? We want to really be respected. You know, um, we, that's how we interpret love a lot of times, right? So um, 
I saw that, right? Because I saw that my mom was, you know, like she was the one that if I had any issues with schoolwork, I can ask my dad. No disrespect to my dad. He just came from a different educational background, right? But my mom was the, was, was the academic. She was the one that pushed me in, in education. She was the one that took me to all my practices and all that because my dad was grinding, you know, as an entrepreneur trying to do his thing, you know, trying to work. So my mom and I were extremely close, right? So that's why I have a different tilt because I was a real mama's boy, right? However, still, even though I would never call a woman out her name or disrespect her or whatever, there's still residue of all that because of what I was taking in, you know what I'm saying? Like listening to, to a Wu-Tang Clan's ice cream, you know, and, and all that kind of stuff, listening to uh, Snoop and listening to all these guys who I idolized, who I wanted to, to be like, so you figure, you know, that's 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 how it was. If, if a girl ever disrespects you, what? What are you talking about, right? So these are the kind of things that when you see it played out before you, modeled before you, you know, then, you know, you kind of be become that in some form or fashion. But there's an awakening that we have to all go through at some point. And a lot of it comes through failed relationships. I've learned a lot from my failed relationships because the communication was the issue. Because although I'm not coming at you screaming and yelling, maybe my, my tone is extremely condescending. And condescending tone in and of itself can be a, a, a very toxic trait, you know? I may, be, I may be speaking to you in a manner where you think I'm speaking down to you, where I'm coming from up here, you know, thinking that, you know, I'm above you intellectually, or I think I'm, I'm above you because I have more education. So I'm, I'm, you know, talking to you in a manner, which is also a form of this. I'm like, no, nah, I, I, like, I'm, I'm hearing guys cussing out their girl. I'm like, I don't do that, but no, but the manner which you're speaking may also be extremely offensive and contributing to the to, to uh, the communication breakdown. So we have to learn, but if you don't learn from those things, you're never gonna be uh, you know, in, in the process of healing and, and working on yourself. And I tell you, therapy is good, y'all. I'm a proponent of it. You know, uh, black men need, need it. Yeah. You know, there's a narrative that we have to normalize, that we have to talk, uh, normalize, especially as black men, because we're afraid of it. We think that it means that something's wrong with us, but it actually means that something's right with us because there's an awareness that we need to be, you know, worked on and healed and you know, corrected. I know I talk a lot, y'all, so I apologize, but I just wanted to really say that the therapy component is really key in helping men's awareness, but getting us there is the work I'm trying to help do, which is get men more comfortable with that. And shout out to a lot of bigger public, you know, folks who are doing it, like Charlemagne and all the other guys who are really on the black mental health front for men saying, yo, guys, it's okay to talk. It's okay. I mean, we just saw DMX pass away. We saw, you know, Kobe Bryant pass away last year, which was hard on, on our black man because he was the guy that we grew up with looking at. And it's like, how do you deal with all the tears when you don't know why you're crying? You've never met the guy in your whole life, you know, but there's something in you that's triggering. There's some sort of, you know, lingering issue that maybe that is resonating within you and connecting you to that feeling that you've never talked about ever to anybody. So... Those are the kind of things that we have to really do and steps that we got to take. I have a question in regards, I mean, you can answer this the way you want to, but in raising a Black son, how how are all these things that you're learning and discovering and we're talking about raising and all this stuff and like as a father, like what are aspects that you're like, okay, this is what I can want to continue adding in, but also these are things I want to change. Um, like as you talked about like man up and stuff, like is there a way that you're choosing to be like, I'm be more intentional in this and this and this? Yeah, I, I think um, the more as men, um, one, you know, daughters really do that. They help soften you and, and you know, and like round you out, you know, I'm thankful for uh, my girls too, right? But like, um, when it comes to boys, it's like the tendency is to 
and um, almost um, relive what you went through through them, right? So automatically, I want to protect him from from um, harm, but at the same time, I don't want him to um, um, like. I, I I almost get triggered back to how I was taught, right? So it's like you know you gotta you gotta man no I'm no Kev no no that's no let him feel what he's feeling you know let's talk about it like how what 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 is it that hurts you you know how can I because what happens is with with young boys when they internalize that then they start to do all these aggressive outward you know they start you know exploding in different ways and all that because that's what they they think is an outward act of strength right but really str strength comes through speaking and talking and showing and sharing and crying like, it's okay to cry it's okay to express so even when i was coaching basketball um and you know and my stuff like that like after devastating losses and our boys were crying on the bench it's like it's okay we're not like no like some coaches are like yo stop stop crying no no there are no tears in this game blah, 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 blah. and that is so toxic and it's so hurtful because like i said sports is a microcosm of real life so it, you got to really take this opportunity to show the young boys and the young that it's okay to um, express how you feel, you know, it's okay to be sad. It's okay. You don't have to be this strong, tough person all the time. Everybody goes through it. Like you see um, grown men crying in the NCAA tournament, you know, when they, then when they get eliminated and you see, you know, finals victories and losses, people cry because it's real. Right. So I think once they see it more, but as a father, it's important for us not to pass on those toxic things that we learned but we gotta be sure that we're healed first because we will automatically do it without even realizing it. Like even like the rough housing and 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 the, the uh, playing, you know, with, with like with like toys, you wanna make sure that that uh, we're giving them strong and rough and tough toys and giving them that rough treatment to toughen them up. But are you working on how he is gonna be in touch with his emotional side of himself, his feelings and how he's able to convey them? Because you're actually raising somebody's husband, right? You're actually raising somebody's, you know, future mate. And you don't want them to, you know, continue this pattern, this generational curse almost of this toxic, you know, nature. Because one, the society is like that anyway. You know, in all the commercials that, that we see, it's always the, you know, rarely, I know they're changing it now, but rarely do you see in car commercials, the woman driving. I don't, I don't, I don't know if y'all have like ever noticed that. Rarely do you see like in the family setting, the man is always driving, right? <laughs> Why? <laughs> Why? <laughs> why is the man always driving on the family vacation why is the woman always in the in, in in the passenger seat why you see so these are small things that are microaggressive in how they are communicated to us that men are, are in control men are the, the leaders men are the ones men are the no but it, it's not always like that you know and i think um for boys especially they got to see women as they're equal from the beginning you know so that's why women are always fighting for for that right fighting for equality, fighting for recognition, you know, uh, fighting to be paid, you know, equally for the same job, you know. So that's why men, we gotta do our, our best to help uplift and support that. And it starts with, you know, raising our boys in, the, in that manner to respect women, to, to, to see them as their equal. No, Johnny, just because, you know, you stand up to, to go to the washroom and she sits down does not make you better. You know, it doesn't make you better. It doesn't make you any more powerful, stronger. It doesn't make you any, any of that stuff. Right. So, you know, those are, you know, those are lessons that we're all learning. And, um, you know, toxic men raise, raise toxic sons, yeah. you know, um, um, that's just the reality. Right. And no matter how much nurturing and love that a woman does, sons want to be like their dad. That's yeah. their superhero. Right. That's that's who they look to. So mm -hmm. if they're seeing that, that's why you see a lot of times the cycle of, of abuse, 
because he witnessed his mom get, get getting abused by his dad. So then he, which is crazy because you would think that you want to protect though the woman, but it's just something in innate where it's like you've seen that, so you want to, you know, do that, right? So there's just so much work, y'all. It's definitely subconscious, I think, as well, because when I work with my clients um, around things like emotional intelligence, which is essentially what we're, uh, it's, I would advocate is that men need to kind of tap a little bit into is their emotional side of the intelligence, because you can have like abstract intelligence, you can have book smarts and stuff like that. But if you can't sit by yourself and like really cry or really feel like really sad yeah. and you know, be able to pull yourself out of it or not, right? I think it's also the flexibility of society to allow men to be able to take days off, right? For whatever the case is um, as well. Uh, thank you <laughs> for joining us. I have- Sorry, I talked a lot. I, no, I, it's I, perfect. No. <laughs> I have so many other questions, but I, I don't want to make this a two hour conversation. I would rather we invite you for a part two instead. Um, but yeah, thank you. Honestly, it's, 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 it's opened my eyes up to a lot of things, but I also feel like hearing these things come out of your mouth is different. Like it makes me feel different on the inside. And I'm like, oh, okay, 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 cool, cool, cool. So it's not just me. Okay, that this makes sense. So uh, where can folks find out more about you? And do you have anything coming up that you'd like for them to tune into? Absolutely. First of all, thank you all so much. This was, it's always amazing having conversations um, with you queens. It's always a great enlightening time and fun, of course. Um, yeah, for sure. People can find me on uh, the, the different social platforms. Um, Kev at Kev Joseph underscore on Instagram at Kev Joseph underscore on Twitter. I'm actually was selected by Twitter to be a, uh, a Twitter spaces beta test host. So Twitter has a new thing like, you know, Clubhouse, you know, that whole Clubhouse app. They have introduced their own audio app called, um, well, not audio app, but audio feature within the Twitter space app where you can have audio conversations in Twitter now. Right. So they've selected a few people to kind of test it out, roll it out give feedback and, you know, I was, you know, chosen as one of those. So I've been testing that out for our Twitter, which has been great, having great conversations. So you can find me there as well. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, Let's Talk um, on Instagram is really doing well. I'm doing the Let's Talk series on Twitter now in the Twitter space as, as, as well. Um, <clears throat> um, I'm also doing some um, more um, projects that are coming up around, especially around mental health. I have one coming up for mental health with children, um, a, a virtual conference that I'm doing a partnership with an organization in Toronto that really does mental health programming to, for kids because kids, um, <clears throat> excuse me, have been the forgotten ones a lot of times in the whole pandemic. Mm -hmm. You know, adults are talking about why they don't want to wear a mask and all this stuff and all, but really it's the kids who are suffering the most transitioning from being able to hug their friends to having to stand six feet away from them in class and all these kind of things. So we're trying to build some great programming to help, you know, kids uh, cope with what this has been a, 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 you know, a really unprecedented year for them more than anybody. I mean, adults, we're more adaptable. Whether we complain, I mean, you know, as adults, we're always complaining, but the children are the ones who are really, really suffering, having a hard time. There's a lot of increase in, you know, you know, like we said, domestic violence and you know, even violence towards children because they're home and they're, they don't know how to behave sometimes because they don't know how to act and react to what they're going through. So a lot of that, um, I'm also doing some other, um, really cool um, hosting gigs that people have been asking me to help them with and, you know, really try to um, lead the, the way on some sort of other projects to really help build awareness around all the great things that Black folks are doing in Canada. So look out for more of that as well. 
Oh, you're busy. Eh? I you're am. Booked I am. and I am. busy. Just getting <laughs> in it. Thank you. This has been really, really epic. And we usually do like a takeaway at the end, but I feel like you did such a good job at your takeaway already, especially with Natasia's question at the end as well. So thank you folks for tuning in to another episode. You can find us on Instagram at girl.youknowit. Um, and then you can also, yeah, no, that's the us. Girl, you know it. Oh, Girl, you know it. Girl, you know it. <laughs> Girl, you know it. <laughs> Sorry, Girl, this conversation you know really got me going. <laughs> really got me going. What did you say, Natasia? Oh, were you going to say you could stream us or something? You seem so like lost at the end. You're like, I don't know about what's this. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> individual ones. I forget. I mean, uh, yeah, my mind's everywhere. But thank you so much for joining, folks. Pleasure. Bye. Pleasure. All righty. That was awesome with Kevin. I'm really glad we had uh, his perspective on the podcast. How did y'all feel? I thought it was really good. I like to hear his perspective and I love to just have more black men on this platform. I think that was definitely something we should have more conversations about. Who knows? We'll probably have far apart series. So <laughs> what about you, Elle? I, I really appreciated what he was saying. I think that Kev is a really good um, historian in the way that he like, like, like speaks on how, you know, the patriarchy has affected him and how it informed him and then the work that he's been doing um, to dismantle it. And then how he's trying to help with other, like, you know, youth um, and, and other individuals within like the black community to like dismantle it as well. Um, I, I don't think I learned all that much. Like, I, I think I had a, an idea but it's really, it's always interesting to hear it re-emphasized because sometimes like being so far removed from like men, I don't have a lot of male friends. Most of my friends are um, the husbands of my really good friends, right? But they're not my good friends. So, you know, you have an understanding, but then hearing Kev talk about like music and, you know, um, being raised by like his parents in a certain way, I think it was like, oh yeah, like it does really make an impact. Like, you know, we can sit here and go, why can't you just figure it out on your own? And it's like, oh yeah, no, there's actual nuances. So yeah. I appreciate that for sure. Yeah, I definitely agree with that as well. And I'm really curious to see the kind of impact that's going to be made in the coming years. I think we're, you know, in this phase where, you know, maybe it, we're, we're, we're I'm already starting to see a rise in Black men who are talking about therapy and, uh, you know, self-care and working on themselves and personal development, and then also working collectively as men to do this as well, right? Because it's, 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 it's one thing to do it as you're on your own as you know this this individual but if you're gonna go into for example he is sports quite a bit right if you go back into the locker room and you're the only one who's personally developing or growing then you have to code switch even in that sense right where you're like not the whatever you want to call the toxic you know person and then you're this person when it's outside of that and sometimes the lines can get a bit blurry so I'm glad I'm definitely waiting to a, for a point where they can be meeting us here because it's about time um, but we'll give y'all some grace. Doesn't mean we're going to date y'all. Doesn't mean we're going to have situationships with y'all. Like I'm calling it as is it. I'm sorry. I know I'm also not on the market, but if I was, grace would be me by myself in a high ass tower, eating grapes and making much money. 
true. Just watching from above, just looking yeah. around, like, is literally. <laughs> oh my gosh! Wow, this chick. Oh, just sitting on like your porch, and just like, are they done? Are they fixed themselves? Okay, nope. All right, let me just continue eating. <laughs> no, no, I women guess. need to start doing that. Like, no. stop waiting. Exactly. Stop waiting. Okay. Well, yeah. Well, I was just going to say, I really like your point about uh, the collective thing. I think men need good friends. Mm-hmm. They need good groups of friends who they don't have to like emotionally code switch around. And I think as we move forward into like the next couple of years, I think we'll see more of that. The bromance thing, you know, like the, it was like, oh, you're bromance. I'm like, no, it's beautiful. When men can be vulnerable with each other. Wow. Like that's amazing. So I think we're going to see it. I think we're going to see more bromances and I love it. I'm ready for it. Oh, you're so cute. Cause you're just like, no, it's so sweet. But if like a man would hear that, he'd be like, what are you talking about? I like, know. My friend, that's just my hope for me. Like, so I, I just think it's like, we're like, oh, less, more love, man, love each other. And they're like, that's just my home. We just like we just chill. We just play a game. We talk. And we talk. Like I just think it's funny. Like the differences because I can guarantee you, if they were doing a follow up after this podcast, they would not be saying no nope. more romance in our lives and love each other more. Yeah, correct. But no, but there is like oh, I can't remember right now. But uh, J Cole has a song and like um, one of the lines he's like, "We don't talk about love no more as like in men." And he's just like like hip hop songs. We don't talk about love. We don't talk about loving each other as men. And so it always reminds me of that because it's, it's true. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah, y'all need to talk about love some more. Y'all need to love up on each other, okay? <laughs> y'all need to love up on each other. I don't know how to do this other night, and I was trying. Uh, in any case, folks, thank you for joining us for another episode. Um, what's girl? You know it. You can follow us on Instagram at girl you know it, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode. It's always amazing to get an opportunity to chat with these lovely ladies. So if you're looking to follow us off of the podcast and you're looking to catch up with some of the content that we have, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and on YouTube, all at Black Women Connect Vancouver. We also have a website for you at blackwomenconnectvancouver.com which is where you can sign up for our mailing list and our newsletter so you can keep updated with our growth and all of the other events that we have planned for you. Catch you later. Bye.